This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. The allegations of Russian interference in the U.S. election just keep dogging the Trump administration, and now it looks like there is an undeniable basis for them. Here's what we know about Donald Trump Jr.'s email contact with a Russian lawyer with ties to the Russian government. One of his father's former Russian business partners had caught, had been contacted by a senior Russian government official who was offering dirt on Hillary Clinton. According to the email that Donald Jr. released, the documents would, quote, incriminate Hillary and her dealings with Russia and would be very useful to your father. That's how it read. And it went on. This is obviously very high level and sensitive information, but is part of Russia and its government's support for Mr. Trump. Close quotations. Trump Jr.'s response was, if it's what you say, I love it. So, is this a smoking gun? Or, as the president himself tweeted this morning, is it the greatest witch hunt in political history? Of course, we want to hear from you. I'm especially curious if it's changing your opinion of the Trump administration. The numbers to call 416 360 toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Right now, let's go to Yoni Applebaum, who is a senior editor with The Atlantic. Welcome and thank you for being here. Happy to talk to you by phone as long as I don't have to put it in an email. Okay. Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll have the trail. So um, yesterday, uh, Donald Jr. went on Fox News, uh, their uh, outlet of choice to try to explain himself. Uh, what did he say and how do you think it went over? You know, it's it's a friendly venue. His defense, such as it is, is that uh, the information that he was promised never materialized. Uh, and he, like many other uh, Trump confidants, is, is saying essentially everybody does it. This is standard practice for campaigns. If somebody comes to you with damaging information about a rival, you take the meeting. Um, I, I think that that... Uh, uh, is an implausible claim and, and one that very few people who have ever worked on a, a presidential campaign would, would care to make themselves. Um, interesting. Uh, there was a precedent uh, with the previous campaign, uh, and the FBI was contacted, correct? Yeah, this is a case where a, a briefing binder um, was, was turned over ahead of a debate, uh, and the Gore campaign went and, and contacted the FBI, um, it's, it's not directly parallel because it's not clear what information was actually being offered to, to Donald Trump Jr. or whether he, he had reason to believe, as, as that campaign had reason to believe, that it had been illegally obtained, that, that is, that, that somebody was offering them stolen goods. Uh, but 
Look, as somebody who's, who once worked uh, foreign policy on a presidential campaign, uh, I can tell you that, that when you hear from a foreign national, you take that call with extreme care, uh, and you understand that there are lines that, that should not be crossed. Uh, and here you have a campaign which clearly, uh, whether or not any information actually uh, changed hands, was not only willing to cross that line, uh, but eager, enthusiastic about it. What do you take uh, from the argument that Donald Trump Jr. was perhaps naive, not aware of all of this? Uh, You know, I I think that uh, if any of your listeners uh, are roughly 40 and and somebody treats them as as a naive kid, uh, they might well take offense. Uh, It's quite a quite an argument to make in defense of, of a, a man who is uh, a seasoned business executive and, and somebody who, who certainly felt competent to take this meeting. His response was not, hey, I'm naive. I'd like to turn this over to the professionals. It was great. I'll take the meeting. Uh, moreover, one of the three people in that room, uh, it was Donald Trump Jr. It was Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law. The third was the campaign chair, Paul Manafort, uh, the most experienced operative in the entire Trump campaign at that point, uh, somebody who'd been around politics for decades and, uh, in addition, had worked abroad uh, for uh, the, the former leader of Ukraine. And, and so Manafort uh, is in the room, knows all about American campaigns, knows all about uh, Putin's Russia, uh, and is nevertheless, uh, having been forwarded this email thread, which explicitly says that this is an effort by the government of Russia to aid the Trump campaign, uh, takes the meeting. He has denied that he had read to the end of the thread, um, but, but given that the subject line of, of this thread, uh, that is, uh, it may be true, but, but it may not be much of a defense. Well, uh, interesting. Manafort, of course, ultimately uh, had to leave the campaign, had to uh, resign because of his, his ties in, in Russia and the Ukraine. Uh, so I haven't really, is, are they trying to blame him now? I haven't seen I- that. Newt Gingrich told us that that he blames Manafort for not warding off Don Jr., uh, for not protecting the the, the president's son and and telling him this meeting wasn't a good idea. Uh, It's more that the fact that Manafort's in the room renders implausible the defense that this was just naivete. Uh, These were three of the most senior people in the campaign. It's not actually all that easy to, to get such a meeting. Uh, this is the same day that Hillary Clinton secures the nomination, the day that Barack Obama endorses her. It's a day uh, when uh, Donald Trump is, is there in the tower. He's meeting with Reince Priebus, the, the then head of the Republican Party and, and his future White House chief of staff. He's meeting with donors. There's a lot going on on, on that day uh, a year ago. And somehow they, they find time to take this meeting and, and to think that, that it was done solely out of naivete. Even if that's the, you know, the, the best case scenario is uh, nobody was paying any attention. Uh, and uh, given everything else that's going on, the, the question becomes why, if no one was paying any attention to what this meeting was or, or why it was on offer, did, did they find room for it on that particular day? Uh, yes, there's also been some question about whether this lawyer really was representing the Russian government. Uh, I believe she said she wasn't. Uh, How important is that? You know, there's a a really key distinction here to to draw. What we know at this point is that Donald Trump Jr., uh, Jared Kushner, and Paul Manafort all received an email which told them that 
a representative of the Russian government, a Russian government lawyer, wanted to come and as part of the Russian government effort to help the Trump campaign, give them damaging information about Hillary Clinton. We know the three of them were in receipt of that information, whether or not that they uh, fully read it or appreciated its import. What we don't know is whether it is true. That is, um, Russia is uh, an odd place. Uh, the the uh, the power structure there works through both formal and informal channels. This is an attorney uh, closely associated uh, with some Kremlin figures, uh, but somebody who is not, uh, as best our reporting can turn up, actually directly on the Kremlin payroll. So she was not, uh, or did not appear to have been, at least uh, by public records, to have been a paid employee of the Russian government. Uh, the email, to that extent, at least seems to have mischaracterized her. Uh, but, but. These are, in some sense, two separate questions. One is, what did the Trump campaign think it was doing when it took this meeting? And the second is, uh, what actually transpired at the meeting and, and who was the woman who came? Uh, and uh, it may be that there's some gap there, um, but none of the people involved in the meeting have proved to be particularly reliable narrators. Uh, interesting. I'm, I'm just looking at the, the New York Times website, and uh, one of the headlines is Natalia Veselnitskaya, that's the lawyer who met Trump Jr., seen as fearsome Moscow insider, but uh, it's not attributed. It's to according to one well-connected official in particular. Um, yeah, so my colleague Julia Yaffe has, has reported extensively on this, including from Russia, and um, insider is, is a useful term. It, it gives us some sense of the depth of connections that she enjoyed to Putin's government, uh, but at the same time is, is not the same thing as, as a Russian government attorney, which is what the, the email itself said she was. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give the numbers out again. Uh, usually stories about Trump elicit lots of comments here, as you might imagine. It's 416 Toll-free 1-866-744-740. I'm on the line with Yoni Applebaum, who is a senior editor at The Atlantic. Uh, now, Yoni, I, I want to turn to um, whether this whole saga is, is turning people in the base, people who had been staunch Trump supporters, people who liked his basically his attack on liberal media. Uh, has, has this changed things? You know, I, I think what, what it is, is is something of a litmus test. Uh, for some of the president's supporters, uh, including uh, some that we've been talking to, uh, folks like Sam Numberg, a longtime associate, or Newt Gingrich, uh, this is another case of media double standards of uh, the press making a mountain out of a molehill. Uh, and, and I think that if you're sticking with Don Jr. and, and with his father through this, uh, it, it's difficult to imagine the, the evidence that, that would cause a supporter like that to break away. Uh, for others, uh, including some uh, senators and, and congressmen on the Hill, uh, some pundits at places like National Review, uh, this, is, um, this is the evidence they hope never to see. Uh, this is uh, something of a worst-case scenario, uh, a clear indication that those in the Trump campaign, whether or not they actually did, were perfectly willing to, to collude with, with a foreign adversary uh, if it worked to their political advantage. Uh, and, and so some of them are breaking with Trump, uh, who is a historically unpopular president and, and probably can't afford much more erosion in his support. And uh, what about the vice president? He seems to be uh, trying to stay as far away as possible from this. 
he released a remarkable statement stressing that this meeting had taken place before he joined the campaign, which is uh, in the quaint argot of Washington uh, about as cold a statement as, as you can possibly release when your boss's son is, is suddenly in, in the media crosshairs. Uh, so, yes, I, I think that Vice President Pence is, is trying hard to position himself for whatever comes next uh, and, and to protect himself uh, and his future prospects uh, from any investigation. Uh, but he is closely tied to this president uh, and uh, was a key figure in the campaign that, that followed this meeting. Uh, and that may prove difficult for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're alluding to what uh, is coming next. What do you think is coming next? Well, uh, predicting the future in this particular scandal has, has proven to be something of a perilous pursuit for, for uh, political journalists. Uh, what we know is going on is, is that Robert Mueller is conducting a tight-lipped investigation, uh, which seems to be expanding in its scope. Uh, and that's a serious problem for the president. Uh, we know that both the House and Senate intelligence committees are forging ahead. Uh, other outlets have reported that neither of those investigations was aware of this meeting until recent days. Uh, and so uh, that is something for the president to ponder, certainly. Uh, the uh, deputy attorney general felt that there was enough evidence here to go on uh, to, to authorize investigation, even not seeing these emails, apparently, uh, if those reports are accurate. And so there is certainly other stuff that uh, has not yet become public, uh, which justified uh, the creation of a special counsel investigation. So I think what we're in for is, is a long summer of, of continued revelations. Okay, let's uh, take a call from uh, Bruce in Elmira. Hello, Bruce. Hi, Libby. How are you doing? Fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm just listening to... Um a gentleman talking to you about Mr. Trump's son-in-law. It's his son, not his son-in-law. It's his son. I I met Mr. Trump personally 30 years ago. I actually had a a sales deal with him, and I liked the guy. But anyway, the only thing I've got to say is that every every time um, the Democrats or people that are out there looking for crap on Donald Trump, they they seem to dwell on something that's like I'm making him a mountain out of a molehill. Um, there's no, uh, what I think really happened with his son-in-law was with his son, 30, 31,000 emails that Clinton washed. And this girl, that's supposedly a lawyer. Um, I think she just wants some notoriety, uh, as a lawyer from Russia. And she, uh, led them to believe she had dirt on Clinton. And if you watch the, the headlines, there was absolutely nothing worth reporting about. So Donald Trump's son-in-law said that's why he, he has no hesitation being interviewed by the... Okay, this is, first of all, uh, Bruce, got to correct you. It's not his son-in-law, though his son-in-law was in the meeting. This is about his son. Yeah, I get them mixed up. They look a lot alike. <laughs> right. But anyway, you're right, his son. So I guess what I'm saying is, is that um, if they leave Mr. Trump alone, let him get on with business... Just look what he did with ISIS when he dropped that mother of all bombs. It's just about wiped off the map now. And when he went, when he went overseas and talked to Putin, he's not afraid of Putin. In fact, he's afraid of nobody. And it's better to make uh, amends with somebody that has a hundred uh, nuclear weapons than it is to to um, you know get on their bad side because it's going to be oblivion for both of us if. Russia and the United States went to war. So I guess what I'm saying is there's no harm in him being a friend of Russia 
in respect of trade or whatever they want to do with ISIS, which is good. So I don't see why people, well, the only people that are knocking this are the old man's group and the Congress, the old, uh, uh, the old Democrats. you got to get rid of those guys. Okay. Thanks, Bruce, for your comments. Um, okay, uh, we're just about out of time. Uh, Yoni, uh, if uh, people in the United States take the same view that this is a, a mountain out of a molehill, I guess uh, the Trumps will come out of this okay. Uh, what would you like to leave us with? You know, I think we just heard the depth of support that, that Donald Trump enjoys from his loyal backers. Uh, it doesn't seem as if this or anything else is, is going to shake that. Uh, but the real question is whether Republicans in Congress, and, and we're hearing from more of them, uh, at some point draw a line and, and distance themselves from the administration or, or take substantive action. Uh, and, and that's the real danger of, of this revelation, is, is less that it will shake president support with his base than that uh, more and more senators and congressmen will decide that they have had enough. Okay, Yoni Applebaum, senior editor with The Atlantic, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, a pleasure to be with you. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.